Pharisee, I preach the gospel. I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals. You're not reformed, so that's a risk. I believe the five points like an asterisk. I repent, but you're in sin still. I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill. Well, here we go, and welcome to another episode of Solar Cast. What's going on out there in podcast land? It's your boy, Chris Hernandez, and right here I got my man. Jimmy, Delo Santos. What's going on, Jimmy? How you doing, Pastor Chris? Oh, man, doing well, man. Excited to be here recording on this beautiful Lord's Day, man. Yeah, it is a beautiful day today. The sun decided to come out, and and it's different in Dallas today. Yeah. The weather's nice, finally. Finally. (laughs) Had a good Lord's Day service this morning. Yeah, Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. You you preached a pretty good sermon this morning. I I could give it to you. I was looking at the three points that, that uh, that we talked about. The willingness of Christ. Yes, sir. And just one of those points where he's willing to, to reach out to us yeah. and to touch us. Oh, glory to God, man. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about our church, man, is that uh, you know when it's half price Sunday, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, for those that buy books out yeah. there, man, half price books usually every once in a while. I don't know. What is it like every quarter or something? They come out with these uh, half price coupons and it, yeah. it kind of leads to 10% on Monday. And then <laughs> by the time you get to Sunday, it's 50%, right? Yeah. And and mm-hmm. on Sunday, everybody's talking about it. We, you know, yeah. after service, everybody's going to shoot up to the bookstore. <laughs> that's that's what that's what the talk was afterwards. Hey, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna go try to hit the flagship store up here in, yeah. in Dallas. It was where I was headed after church. Uh, right. I got my fifty percent coupon. I got my emails from Half Price Books. Man, if you want to, you know. If it's us, man, and you know, two guys from the hood, we don't have that much money. Right. Bro, we want to go get our half price book, (laughs) especially when the half price is then another 50%. Right. Now, you took off, you know, you went to go eat with uh, Rodion and your sister, and then some of the the brothers. I went out to you with some of the brothers, and they were all going to go to the flagship store, too. Really? You know, on their way. And I was telling them, I said, well, Jimmy's, I didn't know that you hadn't gone. I said, Jimmy already beat you there, and he got all the good books already. (laughs) Well, I didn't get a chance to do that. It turns out that I had to turn around and actually go back to uh, Arlington, to Grand Prairie, to... uh, you know, help my daughter with her cat, Fred oh. the cat. Yeah, you got a new cat, right? Yeah, a new, <laughs> well, new addition to the family. Yeah. You know, he's he's right now. He's staying with me. He's my daughter's cat, and I've had him for a week now. And it turns out the cat's very affectionate. I'm not a, I don't know. I've never classically been a, a cat person, but yeah. now I've got this cat in my apartment, and the cat is he's he's a little strange. You know, he'll he'll stay off by himself and just lay there and sleep, and then he'll come by and he'll jump up on me and he'll want to be petted for a little while right it's a strange kind of thing but i've found that you know sounds like a calvinist <laughs> <laughs> he's he's an affectionate cat yeah. he, he comes around he wants to be petted and I, i've found that it's kind of funny yeah. but um he he's been feeling a little sick lately he threw up a few times so we took him to the vet today and my daughter was there and i want to go help her uh with with fred he had to get a couple of shots and yeah, you know, you're telling me about that bill, man. Yeah, the bill can be expensive. Yeah, no wonder you didn't get no books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I decided that I better hold off on the books. Fifty percent when you've got to spend so much money on a on a cat. Yikes! Yikes! But anyway, man, let's go ahead and get into the topic of the day, man. Uh, we originally had scheduled to record an episode on a different topic, right? Yes. But we, we thought, well, what it was, man. You know, this is a spring break week. And I, I got a chance to spend some time with my kids, and I took them to a movie. You know, we don't go to the movies a lot, man. With five kids, it's hard to go to the movies. Uh, so we we got the opportunity to go to the movies on Friday, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the previews, man. And this preview to a movie comes out. It's a Christian movie, and I cannot think of the name of it, man. I should have probably Googled it before the show, but I cannot think of the name of the movie. But I'm not sure if you've seen the preview or not, but it's about a kid that falls through some ice and... 
I believe he passes away for a while and the mom's praying and so forth. And then, uh, you know, he comes back to life. It's, you know, it's one of those typical inspirational movies, but it's has a lot of God in it. And, you know, the family goes to church and so forth. So I'm sitting there looking at it, man. It's a very uh, inspirational preview, you know, very yeah. powerful, well well done. But I'm just thinking some of the things that are that are being said and portrayed about God in there has just, just got me kind of feeling the wrong way. So I texted you yeah. and I said, man, we got to do a follow-up on this RPW, man. So if you listen to last week's episode, we talked about the regulative principle of worship and we talked about the right way to worship God and the wrong way to worship God. I believe we titled it Right God, Wrong Worship. So we talked about worshiping God uh, the way Scripture tells us to worship God, by the guidelines of Scripture and so forth. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that episode, and uh, then you can catch up to this episode. It'll make more sense. But there, there are some things that we kind of left out last week that I think we needed to come back and yeah. clean up a little bit, right? Talk yeah. about a little bit more. Yeah, you kind of threw me for a loop when I got that text <laughs> on on, uh, on Friday. I was like... Hmm. I've been studying this one subject all week long, and now right. I'm going to have to shift my focus over and and try to, um, you know, study some different things. But I think you're right. I think that where we go naturally after we're look, talking about the regulative principle of worship is, what does it produce? Right. What does it cause in us? Well, what's the problem with having the normative principle of worship, or you know, just kind of looking at worship as that kind of a mundane thing, you know? Right. Uh, the way we'd watch a football game, and we talked about that before. A, a lot of a lot of uh, pastors out there sometimes will compare and will tell people you're not worshiping that you should stand <laughs> up because you stand up at a football game. Why yeah, can't you stand up here? Cares, at church? Yeah. yeah, they'll they'll, t- they'll say things like that, but it's not the same thing. Right? We were just talking about that football. We don't worship the pigskin. We don't worship the guys. And, you know, we can get all emotional about that, but there's nothing deeply theological about football. You don't have to use your mind. You don't have to use your mind. You can just let the announcer tell you what's going on, right? Right. You can see the screen and see what what the score is. Which is why we like it so much. <laughs> we don't like using our mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're just being lazy on a yeah. Sunday and watching some football. But to come to to church to worship is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Again, I go back always to Hosea four six. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We come to church to be built up and to be edified in the Lord, and the way that happens is by what we take in, what we consume. Right. Now that's not just again. I, I go back to that thing. It's, that's just not on Sunday. I, I consume right. stuff every day. Right. And so you know th- that whole phrase, "You are what you eat." Mm-hmm. It, it's it's true, but we eat more than just physical food. Right. We eat media. We eat books. We eat, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter. And, right. and we eat uh, the movies that we watch, the TV mm-hmm. shows that we watch, and those, those types of things. They inform us of, of, of our beliefs. Right. And that's what we wanted to do today. We wanted to kind of follow up and, and broaden that out. So when we talked about the relative principle of worship, we last week we confined it to again going back to to its historical context. It was it was talking about the way we worship God in the service in the corporate worship on the Lord's Day, the gathering. But what we're going to talk about today is kind of broadening that out, right? And where it kind of overlaps in some things like you talked about in media and how we view God through media. We, we, what we believe about God and things that we're being taught, whether it be in books, music, movies, and so forth. You know, I always say this, man, we're always hearing sermons. 
we're not only hearing sermons on Sunday mornings. We're hearing sermons every time we turn on the TV, every time we turn right. on the radio. There's somebody preaching to us a message. And right. what is that message, right? So that's what we got to kind of make sure that we're not getting the wrong message about God. And we're not thinking the wrong things about God because it's important for us as believers, as Christians, to, again, think about God the right way as he is viewed in Scripture. Not, not out of our imagination or not with the way media tells us to view him, but what Scripture has to say. About God, right? right? Because let's face it, man, particularly music, man, it's a big influence on us, right? Oh, yeah. Especially growing up. We grew up, me and you know, we, we joke around, we come from different eras, right? But a lot of times, you know, we can think about the music that we grew up listening to and we can see the effect that it had on us, right? Yeah. As we were young. Yeah, the, the, especially me. I, I loved, again, we go back to how old I am and I, I was <laughs> from a different area. I liked Billy Joel. And we were talking about this before. There was a old song that Billy Joel used to sing called um, Only the Good Die Young mm-hmm. where his the lyrics were you know he was talking about come out Virginia don't let me wait Catholic girls start much too late but sooner or later it comes down to fate I might as well be the one and this is a kind of a romantic song to me as I was listening to it but there was one little verse in there that, that after I became a Christian and I would hear this song it would strike me because I never really thought about having consumed it before I was a Christian right but then I would hear him say, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Mm-hmm. The sinners are much more fun. And why wouldn't I have agreed with that back before I was a Christian? Right. Why wouldn't I? I was living it up. I was I was having a good time. And so when I heard that, I was like, yeah, you know, that's right. That's mm-hmm. true. This is my experience. So Billy Joel was feeding me this idea that sinners are fun mm-hmm. and the saints are always crying. Right. And for me, I didn't want to be that always crying kind of guy. But I can tell you now, I'm a Christian and I have a lot of fun. Right. And I joke around and we play. We, You know, we've talked. And so I think the people that know me know that I'm a, I'm a guy that likes to joke around and likes to talk and, right. and laugh. So it, it isn't true. It, it was a misnomer. It kind of had me a little bit thinking differently. There was other songs that I had. And I, I could point to a whole bunch of different songs that kind of got ingrained in me and brought me up. Right? right, taught me something or, or had my way of thinking askew. Mm-hmm. And music is the easiest thing that does that. Yeah. Now, music has a powerful effect in that way, man. You just brought it to mind the other day. We were hearing something. And I don't know what it was. It was a song or something. I, I can't remember. But one of my, my children did ask me, and the song said something about all my friends are going to be in hell or something like that. And they asked me, is that for real? You know, all my friends are going to be in hell. I mean, see, that just shows you the, the power that music has. I mean, we hear it and we already take it as truth, you know, no matter what, because right. that's that's how we're ingrained, like you said. But yeah. I mean, not only music, media too. I mean, we yeah. watch things and we take it uh, as gospel truth, right? So that's what we kind of wanted to touch on and talk about, about sure. today, right? Sure. So, let's talk about some of the music that, since we're already here, let's talk about some of the music that we consume and how... Music can lead to a wrong view of God, right? So many of you know out there, we're, we're planning a church, right? We're in our second year of planning a church at Ecclesia. And one thing that we did is we made an effort or we made a decision not to sing certain type of, of yeah. songs, right? So Yeah, so yeah, that's my question to yeah. you here, Pastor yeah. Chris. Why don't we sing Hillsong songs? <laughs> so you're just going to name names. Huh? <laughs> Why don't we yeah. sing Jesus right. Culture songs? Why yeah. don't we sing those, you know, those types of songs? Right. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's one decision that we made when we were planning the church. We we wanted to steer away from uh, groups like Hillsong and uh, Bethel, uh, Jesus Culture, and so forth. Some of the there's some other ones out there uh, that I'm not too familiar with, but that I, I just kind of want to stay away from. And, and the reason is, and, and let me say this: 
Uh, there are some good songs that th- these guys produce. You know, if you look at, and maybe I'm being too gracious here, but I would say maybe even some of the majority of the songs that some of uh, Hillsong produces. Now, I'm not too familiar with them these days, man. Uh, I haven't listened to them for so long, but I remember some of their older stuff. Not all of it was just weak theology. There were some God-honoring, uh, glorifying songs. So I don't want to, you know, just completely, you know, say everything from Hillsong is just heretical and so forth. You know, I'm not one of those guys. But my danger with it, is a couple of things. Well, what I didn't want to do is I, I didn't want for people to get the impression that we endorse this ministry, right? So Hillsong is a ministry. It's a business. It's a ministry. It's a bit of everything. I mean, it's a it makes a lot of money. Uh, but it, it also, if you look at the roots, it, it didn't just start on its own. I mean, it, it has, uh, it started from a church. I believe the pastor's name is uh, Brian Houston. Right. Is, is that right? Right. He's from uh, Australia. So if you've listened to our other episode where we talked about the uh, prosperity gospel, this guy is one of the, the big guys in that circle, right? He's one of the big names. He preaches uh, prosperity. He's even got a book about money or so forth, I think. you know. Right, right. Uh, so he's a big prosperity gospel preacher. So what I didn't want is to make it seem like we're endorsing that ministry. So even if they do have some good God-honoring songs with good theology— I wanted just to go ahead and just completely stay away from them altogether because, as you know, we, we put their name on the bulletin, you know, and I didn't want somebody coming in, whether they be a new believer or an unbeliever, coming in and saying, oh, okay, my church or this church sings their songs, so they must endorse their ministry. So, you know, that can just lead to a rabbit trail right back to Brian Houston and the teachings of Hillsong, prosperity gospel teaching, bad theology. There's a lot of uh, theology that we find fault with. I'm not even going to go into the charismatic stuff. You know, we're going to save that for, we got a series coming. We're going to talk about the charismatic gifts sure. and so forth. So I'm not even going to go there, but I mean, just, just the weak theology of loan is why I wouldn't want to uh, right. endorse that. And the same thing with Bethel. I mean, that's going to lead you back to another prosperity gospel preacher that we talked about, Bill Johnson. When you look into these ministries, you're going to see a lot of things that we highly disagree with. So we just wanted to stay away from it because we think that they portray a false view of God. Right. You know, in some in a lot of their songs. And I think yeah. that's true of any kind of if you're talking about music, if you're talking about books, if you're talking about movies, if you're talking right. about T V shows, some can be heavy on the doctrine and light on the doctrine and have the weak theology and so it's a good idea to stay steer clear of that, especially because our kids will listen to that. Right. And they're highly influenced by music. I know I, as a kid, I was highly influenced by music. Mm-hmm. It took me a, a different direction. So I'd listen to a lot of rock and roll more right. than I did like rap. You grew up on rap. Right. I grew up on rock and roll. But it can teach you something because you're listening to these lyrics and you're thinking, this is the way life really is. Right. And so it's the same kind of um, thing. If they're teaching the wrong thing or the music can be fun and then the lyrics are there and then right. it leads you to their teaching, there's the danger. Right. There's the danger that exists in, in, in allowing Hillsong songs to be sung in in the church, right. um, especially with a, a, a weak, like you said, like a weak kind of theology. Right. That is always a danger. One of the things that, that gets me is that I, I believe we got to go deeper than uh, surface level knowledge. Mm-hmm. We need to know what truly is the holy. When we talk about the knowledge of the holy, when we talk about who God is, we need to go deeper than mm-hmm. just surface level, which is what I think happens with a lot of Hillsong songs, right. a lot of Jesus culture songs. Even that ministry, they go they go askew in their in their in their theology. Right. And Jesus culture uh, attached to Bethel. Bethel has this whole uh, NAR New Apostolic Reformation thing right. where they talk about being the new apostles and things yeah. like that. But one of the things that gets me about about their type of theology is that it's for lack of a better word, saccharine. Hmm. 
right? Uh, they, they preach a sugary God, right. a, a lovely God, a God full of love mm-hmm. that would never hurt anyone. It's not the whole counsel of God. It's not yeah. the whole counsel of God. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so this, that's one of the dangers is that mm-hmm. it, it doesn't teach you truly who, who God, God is. is. Exactly. If you preach a saccharine God, right. you will get unhealthy converts. Right. Yeah. And, and I think people out there that are, listen, bro, we're talking about Hillsong here. Right. We're talking about Bethel. So if there's anybody out there listening to us that, that really loves them, we're probably making them angry because uh, I know that, man, that this is people's favorite group. They come to town and people buy up the tickets. They want to go see them and so forth, sure. right? But the problem is, and we're not just saying this just to be harsh or just to be haters, you know what I mean, as people like to say. The problem with groups like this or bands like this or worship teams like this is, like you said, they don't sing or preach or talk about the whole counsel of God. And they tell you about God in bits and pieces, and they don't tell you the full God. The half-truth about God is is pretty much a lie. You know what I mean? If you're not going to give me the full God, the full truth about God, then you're pretty much serving me a lie because you're telling me that he's this and that, but you're not telling me that he's also that, right? So if my wife was describing me to someone and was only telling them the, the good parts about me, that's not all of me. There's also the other part of me. My wife's not telling them everything they can know about me. And when it comes to God... We have the scriptures to tell us everything there is to know about God. Right. And when you're only seeing about part of God, like you said, the jolly, good timey God or whatever, then you're pretty much you're, you're serving up a lie to people because you're, you're serving up a God that, that really, truly doesn't exist. Right. One that they yeah. can palate, one that they can right. take, one that they can swallow because right. really some of the doctrines that we hold to are tough. Right. They are tough things to swallow. And so it's important for us to get this uh, to get this right. Before uh, we go further, I wanted to read one little bit of scripture in Acts 20, just to cover what you just, just to piggyback off of what you were saying. This is Paul in Acts 20, uh, 26 through 32. This is what it says. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Mm. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Yikes. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And the reason I read that is because it goes to what you were saying just a minute ago. We need to preach the whole counsel of God. Right. And when you look at some of this stuff that's, that's being given to you, Hillsong and Jesus Culture, you'll find right. empty and kind of vain lyrics that right. don't amount to anything. Right. That don't lead you and, and lead you to a saccharine God. They even might have some scripture in there. But the way they're singing about God in Scripture could be even wrong as well, right? Could right. be wrong as well. I was listening to a song this morning, uh, Your Love Never Fails. I think somebody else sings it now. The one they play on the radio is from someone else. But the original version, I think, I believe is from Jesus Culture. I really enjoy that song. But it, when you know, you're listening to it, and I'm sitting there listening to it this morning on my way to church because it came up on my Spotify playlist. I'm like, how did that get in there? Now I'm just tripping. But... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, good song. But I was listening to it, and you know, it, it has a, a part where it says, uh, "You make all things work together for my good." You know, a lot of people like to use that scripture out of context, right? So, what is for the good, right? So people will say, "Well, you know, the good is anything that my heart desires or my dreams and so forth." So, if something happens to me, if I lose my job, then that means I'm going to get a better job because God is working everything for my good. People take that scripture in isolation and they take it out of context. Right. When we, we brought that passage out. We know what what was going on there, right? Paul is saying that the good is to be conformed to, to the image of the sun. So, you know, somebody can be listening to that song and say, oh, well, that's, that's Bible, so it must be good. But yet, a song could have scripture and full of scripture and full of the word of God, but it can be portraying the word of God the wrong way, right? Right. And, and out of context. And I think that is the problem with a lot of these songs that these guys do. Their theology seeps through their lyrics, right? So they sure. have shallow theology, and we can trace that back to their ministries. Very shallow theology. They don't go right. deep. They don't go deep in their doctrines. It's very emotional, highly emotional. They don't go deep in their doctrine. And that seeps out in their lyrics of their songs. And you, you hear that all yeah. the time. And even though it, it has some scripture and it has some good things to say, it doesn't tell you the full picture. It doesn't show you the full picture yeah. of God. And you can see this in small churches, too. Right. I mean, as long as they can stir up that emotion right. and get you feeling a certain way, mm-hmm. that's how they'll draw you back in the next time. And you're always chasing this feeling instead of the assurance mm-hmm. that you're in Christ. Mm-hmm. And see, I think that's that's where the problem lies. Uh, you know, once someone stops feeling that feeling, well, what was it all for? And we, we produced a false convert. Right. And so that's that's the danger, I think, in, in some of this, uh, the way this ministry works. Right. Our, our faith is found... Uh, on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, this morning you mentioned uh, Psalms 40. I, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined into me and heard my cry. Mm-hmm. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. When I think about that psalm, I think about how what God has done with me is to take me out and set me on solid ground, the solid ground that, that doesn't shake. It's firm foundation. It is Jesus Christ. Yet so many people don't have their footing in Jesus Christ because they get started on lyrics like this and it's shaky ground. Right. It isn't the solid firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Right. So let's talk about some of the lyrics yeah. that we've seen that, that we've looked at uh, sure. when it comes to Jesus culture. Hills. So, yeah. I just gave one example with the Jesus culture. Let me give you another one uh, right here with this the Hill songs. One, probably one of their biggest songs, biggest hits, if you want to call it that, is, is "Oceans." Right? Everybody's heard right, that right. song. When I when I hear that song on the radio, I just got to change the station. But um, <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong, man. It, it's a well done song, man. It, it's it's a nice song and everything like that. But you know, before you get started, you know, yeah. it's funny because you tell me that you pulled that up. I actually talked about this song at lunch today with <laughs> my sister at Rodeo, and I had no idea that you were going to pull this yeah. song out. So yeah, so you know, just the whole theme of this song is how, how God is leading you and God is carrying you and uh, you know you're not going to fail and, and this and that and the Spirit's leading you to trust without borders and, and walk on waters and, and, and this and that and wherever you're going that you have the presence of your Savior and so forth which that's that's true you know if, if you are a believer but I think the vagueness of a song like this is dangerous because this song gets played on the radio this song gets played everywhere and if you're an unconverted person and you're listening to this song because it sounds good, the production is very well done, uh, you know, there's nothing in here about the, the truth of who God is, right? So you're listening to this song and it's it's very inspirational and it's talking about how God is going to do X, Y, and Z for you. But you know what? You could be an enemy of God. You could be someone that's unconverted. You can be someone who God is not for you. He's actually against you. But when you're listening to the song and it's telling you a lie. They don't portray 
you know, the fullness of who God is. Now, it's very difficult because there's really nothing wrong with some of the songs that talk about how God is for us and so forth. But when we talk about worship, and this is where it ties back to the RPW, when we talk about worship, this is why it's so important to make sure we stay on subject. And the subject is the worship of God. Tell me about who God is. Tell me the truth of God, about his His faithfulness, about his richness, about his, his sovereign power and majesty. Tell me about his attributes, right? Let's talk right. about who God is. This is what worship is. And a lot of the songs that we hear coming from Hillsong and, and Bethel and so forth, they like to kind of turn that focus around and make it about us. God is for me. God watches over me. God carries me. He does this for me, you know, and this and that. Yeah. And, and people will say, and, and I can already hear someone say, well, the Psalms talk a lot about that, about how God is for us. But here's the difference. We are not inspired. Whoever wrote these lyrics uh, to Oceans or uh, this other song we're going to talk about here in a second, Corey Osbury, I think this guy's name. Corey Asbury. Asbury. Okay, we'll talk about that. <laughs> He's not an inspired author, right? The Psalms have liberty. You know, whoever the psalmist, whoever wrote the, the Psalms, they have liberty to talk however they want because that mm-hmm. is being inspired by the Holy Spirit. We are not. So we need to limit ourselves when, if we're songwriters. We need to limit ourselves to what Scripture says, right, and how right. we are to, to portray God. Right. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is just really shallow, man. And I heard a, a preacher say this one day. Sing songs in your church that people can sing on their deathbed. You know, if you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be singing uh songs like oceans and songs that get you pumped up and you know poppy church songs or whatever you want to sing songs about you know how great thou art lord you know right i'm at the end of my life man and you know you're a great god you know and so forth so that's the really the problem that i have with a lot of these, these songs is that yes while they have some some good stuff in them they just don't give you the full course meal you know right it's just right. like getting part of the meal yeah, yeah. I, I i could just say that I spent uh, about a year and a half ago, I went to go visit uh, a good friend that was in the hospital with a bunch of coworkers, actually coworkers that had asked me to come with them. And they knew that I was a Christian guy. And, and you know, we got around her bed and this was a young lady who was uh, having some issues with, uh, with her brain, actually. Um, and so when we got around her bed, we didn't sing, he is jealous for me, loves <laughs> like a hurricane, yeah. and I am a tree. Right. No, we sang Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. These lyrics are, are full of what it truly is to be right. a converted Christian, a man of God, a woman of God. And and so this is, this is one of those things that you get around a hospital bed, you'll really see what kind of uh, songs will come out. Right. Songs that glorify God because right. they have a deep theological meaning. And I think that's important. I think it's important that we contrast. The, the, the lyrics that I was just hitting, hitting you with are Jesus Culture lyrics from a song called How He Loves Us. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I look at the... Um, that's a sloppy wet kiss one. Right? That sloppy wet kiss one, yes, exactly. And, and so that's, that's one that gets me. I mean, uh, we romanticize God that yeah. way into, yeah. into a boyfriend yeah. kind of status. That's another problem I have with this, yes. It's, yes. It's, I look really, at that... Uh, you know, what are you doing with God? You can't tell the difference between a love song or a worship song. And yeah. and doesn't the Bible tell us to that we should bow down in fear? Right. The 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 beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I know I've, I've had people that I that I've talked to that told me, "Oh, now that just means to respect God and to No, it means to hold him in awe, in reverence mm-hmm. and to see him high and holy, high and lifted up. I think of Isaiah 6 when he says, "I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple." And he talks about the angels, and he was in fear right. 
Uh, Isaiah could see, you know, and he said, uh, one angel went to the other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. This was a place where he was shaken to his core and he was changed by this. Uh, if we can't come to, to the service and reverence God, and I know we, we've discussed this before. We've been in, into some buildings before where we've seen awe and reverence in a building, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, a, the Catholic churches are really good about their architecture and the way that they make that mood or that feeling, right? We should come into the worship service knowing that we're going to worship a holy God, a righteous right. God, right. a God of justice, and we should treat him as such. Mm-hmm. And instead, we, we say things like, he is jealous for me, lo- loves like a hurricane, I'm a tree, right. bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. It's poppy kind of stuff, and all right. it does is sell records, right. but it doesn't edify. It doesn't mm-hmm. build up the, the person that's listening. Yeah. You know, I, I know I, I joked around last week about special songs, and maybe I didn't joke around. Uh, when I was in a, a different church, and I used to we used to do these special songs, there was one song that I really enjoyed that they would allow me to sing every once in a while. When I went up there for my special song, now you, he, Chris is smiling. Y'all can't see Pastor Chris <laughs> is smiling right now because he it, it kind of makes him smile that I would uh, sing a special song. But ahead, this particular go ahead and song, break it out now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this particular song had so much deep theology. I wanted I wanted the, the the people listening to hear it because I wanted them to hear what God was saying through this song. This song is called At Calvary. This is an old hymn, mm. and this is the way it goes: the Years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not, my Lord was crucified. Knowing not, it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. I just want to read this next stanza because this is the one that really gets me when I read it. This next stanza says, By God's word, at last, my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. This is deeply theological. This is my story. By God's word at last, my sin I learned. You look at these poppy songs that they got on nowadays, Hillsong, Jesus Culture. There's no talking about sin. No. There's no talking about repentance, about how we learned that our in that our inward nature was only evil continually right. and, and brought us to a place to our knees to repentance and brought us to a God that, that loved us so much that he was willing to go to the cross to die for us. Right. And this is one of those this is one of those things that gets me. We don't sing songs like this anymore. No. Well, we try we try to do at Ecclesia. Yeah. Try to pick some songs that yeah. we have some great songs at Ecclesia. Yeah. I love it when we sing how deep the Father's love for us. Yes. There's a place in how deep the Father's love for us where, where it says, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the mm-hmm. scoffers. And I, that reflects on me who I am right. in comparison to the high and holy God that I serve. Mm-hmm. This is why we talk about this. Worship should be a reverent kind of worship. We should look up to the cross right. from our knees. Right. This is important. This is why you can tell the, the passion that yeah, me and no. you both have. Yeah, worship should reveal the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is that I am a great sinner, but God is a great Savior. Exactly. Right? And we sing songs that reveal that about me being a great sinner, but yet God being a greater Savior. Exactly. Then it's going to be hard for us to get off yeah. focus, right, and get off track. Another one, man, just got to, I mentioned it briefly, is this Corey Osbury or whatever, Reckless Love. Famous, <laughs> popular song, man. A lot of people love it. And uh, I know they got pretty defensive uh, of it, some of these guys here. But, you know, I, I'm looking over these lyrics, and 
I understand the heart behind it. I really do. You know, that God is, I preached about this this morning. God is a God that, that reaches out to us. He's a God that, that touches us. I mean, he's a faithful God. We talked about that in, in, in Psalms. You know, he's, his faithfulness continues. And I understand the sentiment behind it all. But the problem is, is that when you portray God like this to the masses, first of all, his love is not reckless. He's a God that, that knows what he's doing. You know, he's sovereign. He's a God that is in control. You know, he's not out right. of control. So, I mean, I understand, again, the sentiment behind it all, that God is very passionate for us. But there's there's better ways to portray that than saying that God is reckless. Nothing about God is reckless. Everything right. about God is tried and true. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because it, it, a lot of times I'll talk to people um, and I have certain views about the way people see God. And I tell you this right now, I've never believed, well, maybe at some point, but my thinking has evolved to where I, I think of God. He's not in a corner hoping that things will go right. <laughs> God knows. Yeah. All right. He's he's got it all in control. He is yeah. sovereign. Right. So when we sit back and think, am I going to change God's mind and this and that? Mm-hmm. He is immutable. Right. He doesn't change. And so, you know, I, I, some people are right now thinking, well, then what's the point of prayer? Right. Well, we're, we're told to pray. Mm-hmm. We're, we're commanded to pray. You know, even Jesus said to his disciples, could you not even pray with me one hour? And this is the the thing to convict us to get to that place where we commune with God. Where we, it's not just about being in union with Christ, but being in that place where we can talk to Him and, and trust Him the way we should. Right. And that's what He's trying to build up in us is a trust that that goes beyond lyrics that are empty and vain. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these songs they portray God as that boyfriend that's sitting at home on a Saturday night just waiting for you to text him and call him, you know. <laughs> and you know, it's, he's. He's lonely and he has no friends and all he can think about is he's just staring at his phone just waiting for you to call him or text him, you know. That's not God, you know. No. That he's just, you know, like you said, just pleading in the corner, just wanting us to come to him. And, you know, he has this reckless love. That he's chasing us, but we don't want nothing to do with him. This is God just, just writing us love letters every single day. That's a weak God that these these people yeah. portray, man. Yeah. That's not the God of the scriptures. This God of the scriptures is high and lifted up. He's a mighty God. He's sovereign king of the universe. No will of his can be thwarted. You know, his counsels right. will stand. That is the God that we sing about. That is the God that should be portrayed in our services and in our songs. But that is not the God that we hear on the radio. Right. Yeah. In other media also. Yeah. What about books? Right. When we think about the books that we read, you know, and I tell you what, when I first became a Christian, I, I think maybe I read some pretty sappy books about... Well, you brought um, one over here, brother. <laughs> Hey, I had, burning, an, I had an burning, extra copy. It's burning a hole in my book set right there, man. Well, you know, I didn't uh, want to keep. I didn't want to keep two of these heretical <laughs> books in my. You know, and it was funny because we were talking about making a heretical. What do you do with a heretical pile of books that you have? Make a shelf. Yeah, you, you make a shelf, but you don't take them to half price books because you don't want somebody else to be damaged no. by by something like this. It's <laughs> it's a difficult thing to 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 be there, but this is one of those things. When I look at, I, I read the shack. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, it was such a big deal, and everybody's making such a big deal out of it. I picked it up, and I read it. And I tell you what, I look back at reading it, and yeah. I'm thinking, well, that was a waste of my time. Right. Right? They didn't portray God as, as the God of the Bible or this, that, and the other. I mean, William P. Young, when he wrote that, I don't know what influence he, he was under, but it doesn't seem like that is an accurate portrayal right. of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit yeah. for the Holy Spirit to be a woman. I was deeply in that whole charismatic scene at the time when that yeah. book came out. And I remember, I don't know how that copy ended up in my house. I, was not, I wasn't a big reader back then. You know, I didn't read a lot of books. But I saw that copy. It ended up in my house. And I remember reading that book and thinking, 
something was off about it. Even in my charismatic days, I remember thinking something is not quite right about this. I knew everybody else liked it. You know, it was very popular. Right. But I remember thinking in the beginning, it, it was about, I think, you know, the cabin and all that stuff. And it was that was pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. And I thought yeah. I was going somewhere. But when I started to portray God, I was thinking in my mind, you know, even back then, I was like, this is not right. Something's yeah. not right about this. And now I see, man, it's totally heretical. I'm just portraying God right. that way. Right. Yeah. And, you know, a big popular thing nowadays is the Heaven Tourism books, right? Yeah. Heaven is for real, and, and yeah. twenty three minutes in hell. Yeah. Even these these kind of books that that tell us, you know, the scriptures tell us that right. no one has ascended or descended. Right. No one's gone there and come back. We we talked about at one point with uh, Jesse Duplantis during our Prosperity Gospel uh, series, and he's one that talked about having gone to visit Jesus, yeah, and come back. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, how can we even believe this guy when the scriptures tell us no? There's going to be no one when when Jesus was showing the uh, the story about the rich man, the rich man that was in Hades. He said, even if one comes back from from the dead, they won't believe. believe yeah. So I mean, what's the point of all yeah. this heaven tourism? They have Moses and the prophets. They have Moses and the prophets that they don't in other believe. Words, they have the Bible. Yeah, yeah. they have the Bible yeah. exactly. And this is this is the thing when we start to buy tourism books and empty kind of what is this book for anyway? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of it? And you know, even even uh, the books like Jesus Calling by Sarah Young, right. who she's talking about her own thoughts about what she hears from God, and yeah. she's putting it in a book, and she's making millions, right. and people are buying them off the shelves like like there's no tomorrow. And yet, Hebrews one tells us that hey, yeah. he's already spoken through the son. He's spoken through the son. Everything that you need is given to you now, mm-hmm. right? It's in the scriptures. So yeah. why are we going to other places, especially uh, places that don't don't um, go deep into theology. Yeah. Instead, they go and they make it some kind of, oh, look, somebody went to heaven, he died, and he came back, and he's got a story to tell you about the grandpa that he saw. Yeah. And, uh, you know, And I know Todd Burpo came out saying, yeah, I was lying about all that. Right? right? And, and so this is, yeah. we're, we're so gullible to believe well, even, these types uh, of things. I think even the malarkey kid said that he made that stuff up too in one of them, right? Yeah. yeah. And but this is the thing, discernment should tell us right yeah. that we should stay away from those types of things, yeah. and we should get into the knowledge of the holy. Mm-hmm. We should stay in our Bibles. We should pick up books by well-known, deep theologians that can teach us something. When we look at some of the books that some of the books that I have on my shelf now, I got a ton of John MacArthur. I got a ton of R.C. Sproul. I've got some John Piper. I've got some uh, Sinclair Ferguson. I've got some. You know, there's just a bunch of good guys out there that can actually teach us something right. about who God is. And why are we t- spending our time on vapid, empty books? Yeah. And it's, and it's a wide range, man. We got those that are, I would consider like the shag, clearly heretical, clearly yeah. bad, bad theology. Jesus calling, you know, just it's that's just so wrong to believe that you're listening to something other than the Word of God, that it's inspired and that it's coming from Jesus. That stuff is very dangerous. Then you got some of the stuff that that's... Almost right. And, and when I think yeah. about some of the movies, the Kendrick Brothers, they, they got some really good movies for Christian movies. I don't watch a lot of Christian movies. I don't listen to a lot of Christian music, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I just don't. I mean, unless it's you know worship. But I don't listen to a lot of this uh, CCM or we have it here in Dallas. It's called KLTY. I think it's, right. it's still called KLTY, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I don't listen to that <laughs> stuff, man. Number one, it's boring. <laughs> Number two, is just the lyrics are just awful. You know, it's clearly not portraying, uh, like what we're talking about, portraying the true picture of God. But... You know, some of these movies too, man, you know, they, they're they very inspirational, very powerful, very well done. 
but yet they miss the mark at, at some places and even kind of go off a little bit here and there. And I can just think of uh, one offhand, um, just to give an example. Uh, you remember the movie The War Room? You right. Know? Now, if you take that, that whole movie as a whole, man, that's great that it's encouraging someone to get into their prayer closet. I mean, I, I would never be against that. I think more people need to do that. And more people need to bring their situation to God, especially if they're going through something as heavy as what this lady was going through in her movie. Man, bring it to God. Go to prayer. This is a spiritual warfare type of thing here. Yes, all that is true. But there's a scene in that movie where she walks out of her house and she's like yelling at the devil. Whatever, right? right? So that right there, Scripture never tells us to, to pray to the devil, right? We're not supposed right. to pray to the devil. Number one, how do you know the devil's even there, right? He's not omniscient or omnipresent, so he, he might be on the other side of the world. So he's not there listening to you. Number two, we're never we're not never told to pray to the devil. We pray to God. We don't pray to the devil. And you know, people can be watching that movie and say, okay, I'm going to take that at face value. Now I can talk like this to the right. devil, right? So that is the danger there when we're. We're portraying God or portraying Christianity in, in any type of media, whether it be music, books, or movies. We have to be very careful because even something that's just a little wrong can open the doors to to more error. Right? right? Even a little error can open the door to more error. You know, in this movie, again, great movie, great message, but just that little part there, you're opening it up to other things. Now someone else can be able to talk to the devil or right. pray to Satan and so forth. Yeah. You're just kind of giving free pass to all that stuff. Yeah, that that this is normative. This is the normal thing to do, right? right? Same thing in our music. That this is this is the normal way that uh, God loves us recklessly. You know, all these things they're portraying these these wrong things of God. We're all over the place thinking God is like this and God is like that. How is God really? We'll, we'll go back to the Word of God right. and find out who God is. Right. That's so important when you say that. I've had this view of praying to to the devil or telling the devil what you're you know devil you know get out of here i'm you know i banish you you know i bind, bind you, you. <laughs> this and it, you know it was funny vody bakum always said hey if that church bound him last night why is he unbound today right what's up with that where's our power mm-hmm. and this that and the other i mean but the, but you're right the, the bible never prescribes that this is actually something like when we were reading last week out of the uh london baptist confession of faith we talked about that worship isn't done according to the imagination of men and you'll find that there's a lot of preachers out there, you know, watch them on TV. Mm-hmm. You'll see that they'll slip into talking to the devil right from the pulpit. Right. And this is where, you know, they, they go a, a little skewed. And then somebody's watching that and thinking, oh, I'm going to incorporate that in my mm-hmm. in my next prayer. I've actually had uh, to, I had talked to a, a young man that, that was in a group that I was in. Uh, and I was actually leading that, that men's group at that point in time who, who, you know, it was his turn to pray. And he went off in a tangent talking to the devil. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it was over, when the group time was over, I asked him to step outside. Let's talk about this. And he said, well, I don't understand. I'm just following the lead of some of the other pastors and stuff that I've seen on TV. And I'm sitting there going, see, this is the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. This, this, yeah. is the, this is the problem. This is how it, how it goes. Yeah. We're never, this is never prescription for us. Right. We're yeah. not to talk to the devil. He's yeah. not omniscient. He, he doesn't. We talk to our Lord. That's right. Right? Yeah. Even Jude uh, told, uh, when he was disputing yeah. among the body of Moses, yeah. you know, when you read Jude, Michael, the archangel, he didn't dispute with the devil that way. He said, mm-hmm. the Lord rebuke you. Right. And this is something we should incorporate ourselves. It's the Lord that we that we call upon. That's right. This is something, because this particular episode, I, I figured that we go back to chapter 22 of the London Baptist Confession of Faith, and we'd read the section 5. I think this pertains to what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. So, again... Chapter 22 of the 1689 is of religious worship and the Sabbath day. Section 5 reads like this. The reading of the scriptures 
preaching and hearing the word of God, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, as also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper are all parts of religious worship of God to be performed in obedience to him with understanding, faith, reverence, and godly fear. Moreover, solemn humiliation with fastings and thanksgivings upon special occasions ought to be used in a holy and religious manner. I think that goes to the heart of what we're talking about here. There's too much, I guess, uh, empty and silly things in a worship service that don't really go to what what we should be reverencing. Now, I'm not sitting here that is saying that that you can never smile in church, that it's always got to be somber. But what I'm saying to you is that we do too much of this empty, vain kind of uh, worship with the things that we've been taught from pop culture. Right. Right? We've we've talked about music. Mm-hmm. We've talked about books. We can even talk about TV shows. And, you know, it's funny because I had somebody tell me that I ought to watch this new show that's out there called God Friended Me. Hmm. Now, because the guy's a podcaster. Yeah. Right? And so, so somebody that knows that, you know, we're doing this podcast tells me, oh, you ought to watch God Friended Me. Now, apparently the show's about uh, the fact that some guy got friended by God and now God sends him friend suggestions and there's a problem with that. So he's supposed to go help this friend suggestion with right. their issue. And this is how God is affecting things in the world. And I'm sitting here and saying, oh, that's so way off. <laughs> Why would I even watch this show? It just doesn't seem like I would want to take any time. And, you know, I like a good TV show, but I you know, I like things like Law and Order, you know. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's a little bit different. I, I look at something like that and I'm thinking... Well, that's that's going to give somebody the wrong conception right. again of who yeah. God is. Yeah, like, and people are th- thinking out there is that okay, we can worship or view God any way we want to according to our imaginations, right? And just to bring everything home, we're about to close here. I just want to before we close end with a scripture here and kind of just c- kind of ground it in a scripture here in the Word of God, Acts chapter seventeen. This was when Paul was on Mars Hill. Let me just briefly read in verse twenty-two. So Paul, standing in the midst of Arparagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So he's about to tell them, You don't know God yet, but let me tell you who he is. Verse uh, 24, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring." Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of men. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Okay, so if if you understand what's going on there, Paul is going through the town. He sees this inscription to an unknown God. These people, I'm sure we're sincere. They really wanted to worship God. God. They they sincerely wanted to worship God. They're they're passionate, I'm sure, about their God. But Paul says here that okay, you don't know who this God is. You you say to yourself, He's unknown. I'm gonna tell you who this God is. He's the creator of heaven and earth. 
He's the one who made mankind. And he wants you to search him, to seek him. He wants you to follow him and find him. And I like how it says there that that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way towards God. In other words, that God grants you repentance, right? So here he is. Here's Paul saying to seek God, not out of your imagination, but seek God in truth, the way he should be found. In him we live and move and have our being. Then he says, the times of ignorance he overlooked, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent. So this is the truth not being said today. I don't think that God is very pleased with the way we portray him in the culture. With people saying, we can portray him any way we want to. Let's give everyone a free pass. Hillsong, Jesus culture. Oh, you know, it's okay. Leave them alone. They're passionate about God. They love God. Who cares the way we worship God? This is just a matter of preference. No, it is not. This is not a matter of preference. We cannot just create a God, as it says here, out of our imaginations. The God that we want. God to be the happy-go-lucky God, the cheery God, the one who wants to give us a sloppy wet kiss, whose love is reckless. That is not the God of the scriptures. And if you are portraying that God, then that is a form of ignorance. And God will not overlook that. He wants us to repent of that thinking, of thinking of him like that, and go back to the scriptures and see who he is. Amen, brother. You said a mouthful of that, Pastor Chris. I want to give us one last scripture also. I'm in Colossians 3, 16. Mm -hmm. And this is important. I think this is the admonishment. If you're listening to us, this is the way it should go. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I would just say this. We need to reverence God for who he is. Yes. And I think that, that what we're trying to say here, uh, me and Pastor Chris, is that let's let's do away with the empty, the empty, vain kind of thing that we've been doing. Right. And repent. Mm-hmm. Trust God mm-hmm. and worship him in spirit and in truth the way he calls us to. That's right. That's right. Yeah, see, you can see, man, we're really... We're really passionate about this. Right. You know, this is something that we cannot take lightly. I mean, I know we like to joke around, but we cannot take this stuff lightly, man. This is worshiping our God, you know. Yeah. And again, as we read read the scripture last week, you know, we need to worship him not only in spirit, but also in truth, right? So we want to worship him in truth. And we're going to close, but we missed out on some stuff, I'm sure. I know there's some stuff that we're going to talk yeah. about, too, but we kind of missed out. But it's time to close and wrap it up. But if you did have a question or a pushback or something that you wanted to bring to our attention, go ahead and go to the website, www.thesolacast.com. There you'll see a message board, and you can uh, write to us and uh, you know share something with us if you'd like. You can also catch us on Twitter. I'm at Los Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And I'm at C. Hernandez 214 and for the podcast, it's at Sola underscore cast. That's right, at Sola underscore cast. And also, look us up on Facebook. Uh, you can search uh, Sola Cast uh, there on Facebook. We do more updates on Facebook, so you can check us out there. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the church. Don't forget about the church. If you're in the Dallas area, look for us on Facebook as well and at EcclesiaChurch.org. Every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., we are right there in West Dallas on at 1819 Singleton Boulevard. There, You're welcome to come and join us. It's in the hood, but, you know, come join us. It's, it's a, there are really great worship services and you'll see what we're talking about when we talk about high and holy worship and and, and how we come together as a a church family as a church community and praise our god and and lift him up in in our service yeah but until next time let's get to the meat let's do it okay i just made this beat right now i'm mc goya okay listen 
I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Shook Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not music but clothes that he started. I can't find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, Rat and Grace is full of slackers.